gentlemen welcome back to throwing hands uh this is a little bit of a different format daniel woods taking the helm on this one i know jacob's typically in the host chair but i'm taking this one over as we have a very very special guest somebody i'm really happy to welcome to the show one of the greatest collegiate wrestlers in ncaa history uh, one of the greatest wrestlers in west virginia university history and one of the best wrestling coaches in the mixed martial arts game today Mr. Greg Jones, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me, man. Appreciate it. Well, let's let's get right down into it. Uh, your story a little different because uh, mostly we've interviewed fighters to this point, not really any coaches. But obviously, you have a huge wrestling background, outstanding college career at WVU. How did you get into wrestling as a kid? Um, you know, my dad. Uh, Got all, all my, me and my brothers and my, my sister for a little bit involved in wrestling at a, at a young age. I don't know. I guess we trained in my basement. So I guess uh, probably about three or four years old, I started messing around the wrestling mat. Um, it's kind of like one of those things where by time, I don't know what the age was, eight, nine or ten. Um, by the time I was that age and like, <clears throat> like I found out that, you know, you can decide what sports you play and which ones you don't. Like, you know, hey, you're going to try out for the baseball team this year. You know what I mean? There was nothing like that with us in wrestling. I had, I had already been doing it. Um, it was already part of who I am and part of the fabric and culture of our family. So, um, yeah, so we got started real young and and uh, appreciative because of it. Yeah, your your career – or the way you talk about it, there's a lot of a lot of family ties in your career. Like you said, sure. your father was a big driving force. Your older brother, Virtus, was a three-time All-American at WVU. What kind of impact growing up with him and then, like you said, other family members being, being so plugged into the wrestling scene, what did that do for you as you got older, started potentially looking towards a college career? Yeah, no, um, you know, all, all those things you talked about um, – are true and I think something that's you know I'm I'm very appreciative of and I think it's something that uh, that over time we we learn to have a, a more and a deeper appreciation for um, you know I had opportunity you know I was right in the middle on uh, brother on each side of me so I was fortunate enough um, to be able to grow as men and have uh, have that coach uh, athlete and even just growing as brothers, men as brothers, relationship with, with both of mine, it was just an invaluable experience. And uh, like I said, I, I appreciate it more and more as we go. Um, and, you know, I think Morgantown in West Virginia um, is, is an extent, uh, extension of that, that, uh, you know, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, hour and a half up the road, you know what I mean? So I was able to get away. It was, it was far enough for me to get away into school um, where I could like start growing on my own independent of my parents and my family and things like that. But still a location where they could come down, watch my matches, be involved in my career. Uh, and I think that whole situation just had a really good, uh, a big part of the success I was able to have. 
So uh, speaking of WVU, uh, you hit the recruiting process after becoming a two-time state champion. Why WVU? One, one, one time. One time. Oh, one more time? One time. Oh, one time. One time state champ. Um, oh, okay. Just that. Just that. I'd already been down to West Virginia a ton of times. Um, it's kind of just one of those things. It was good enough for my older brother. It was good enough for me. You know what I mean? Um, it's just the town, the school, the culture, the coaches. Um, everything just really lined up really well for me. All right. So um, when you step on campus for the first time, what was that uh, first practice like stepping on the mat at your college? Um, you know, in wrestling, wrestling kind of takes place over the winter. So we have the ability to kind of like uh, kind of ramp up into our season a little bit. Uh, you know, school, school starts in late August. You know, we usually have that first week or two of school to kind of get acclimated uh, with the school life. And then, and then uh, we start rolling thereafter, but we start basically with primarily strength and conditioning. Um, that was really the first exposure I, I had to like serious, like real strength and conditioning work. Um, and I really think that's one of the things that really allowed me to uh, make a bunch of leaps. Cause I didn't do any of that stuff in high school before. Um, but uh, there's been a lot of days in August. I, uh, in late August, early September, where I, I, I hoped and prayed that I, I did something else that, uh, you know, running on the track in the heat of August, uh, you know, you know, sweating so much you start getting chills and stuff like that. But, um, but it was good. It was all part of the, part of the experience. So your freshman year, 2002, you come out of the gates, win an NCAA championship as a freshman at 174 pounds. Was there a moment either in the preseason or sometime during that season where it clicked in your head, like, hey, this is somewhere I can have a lot of success really early? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I had that thought. I mean, uh, I was ranked somewhere in the top five pretty much that, that whole season. Um, but I was young and I was hungry and I, and, and so none of that stuff really, really bothered me or really affected me, um, you know, early, early on in my career. But, um, you know, it, it's, there's just small, small moments and small things that, that kind of add up when you look back on that probably had a really good idea. And it's, you know, sometimes it just takes, um, takes someone to, uh, to believe, to believe in your mission, to believe in your goal. You know what I mean? I, I remember as a guy I really, I really respect. It was about a week. He was a Division One coach. Um, the week before the NCAA tournament, he said, he looked at me, he took me on the shoulder, and said, "Hey, man, you can win this thing." And I was like, "Yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I can." You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah. Uh, so sophomore year, you you don't win a you don't win the NCAA title. You are eliminated in the constellation round by uh, former uh, UFC light heavyweight champion Rashad Evans. Where mm -hmm. were your thoughts on where your career would go after that season? Um, yeah, you know, it was just it was just part of part of my experience. Like I I recognized that that tournament was anomaly. It wasn't an accurate reflection of uh, my abilities of a wrestler and my abilities as a, as an athlete. Um, there was a whole host of issues that I think, uh, think added up. Um, but that, that wasn't, um, I would say that 
that sophomore year turn in state tournament was the most valuable experience of my wrestling career. Um, and it didn't deter me. It didn't deter me at all. In a lot of ways, it made me hunger. It made me smarter. It made me uh, learn to appreciate a lot of other things. Um, you know, like in some matches where, you know, just appreciating earning a hard-fought win or a hard-fought fought victory, whereas before, you know, I would kind of like beat myself over. I should have beat you by more points and, and that kind of thing. So. Um, it just it just added fuel that I knew I knew what my potential was I knew where I was supposed to be um, and it just 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 fed that process so you take what you learned uh, that sophomore season and you come out 2005 excuse me 2004 as a junior at 184 pounds and you have what I would say up to that point is the greatest single wrestling season in in school history the first undefeated season for an individual wrestler in school history at 26 and 0 what 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 was the difference there was there something that that you changed in that off season or or was it just getting back to basics uh maybe a little bit of both maybe a little bit of both i think um more than anything where i grew um and i think where i learned to separate my myself is i i refined my approach to competition i refined my approach to to practice and 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 uh, in my preparation, um, you know, now I, I I learned that everything that I was doing needed to have a needed to have a purpose. Um, you know, I think um, uh, I think I also learned to kind of like loosen up and relax a little bit. Um, not not a little bit, probably a, a lot. Um, so I uh, I think I really started to separate myself and and how I became mentally and physically prepared for competition. Um, I think that's something that was, you know, it's something that you never really arrive at, right? You kind of start doing it as a kid. You're just kind of doing it for fun. You're playing. And, and then as you start climbing in competition, uh, you know, you have a lot of ex experience bank that I was able to draw, uh, draw on and figure out just where I needed to be. So as Daniel mentioned, uh, you made that move junior up to 184. What was what was the plan uh, that coincided with that move up? Well, it was hard. It was hard because you know, ab uh, above all, um, above anything, I I wanted to um, I wanted to be a good teammate. Uh, at the time, we had we had a team that was competing at a really high level. So not only was I worried about screwing the lineup up. But there was also um, the 184 pounder at the time. Um, he had paid his dues just like I had, um, and he had earned the right to to um, to compete at that weight class. So that was really the difficult thing for me. But sitting down with my coaches, talking to coaches in the preseason, that like, listen, we're our team's better whenever you're better. So um, kind of remove who you're displacing out of the equation and figure out how can we can get you in the best weight class possible. Um, and that's what we ended up doing. So you cap off first undefeated season in school history with, with another national championship. You do the same thing your senior year, 51 match win streak to end your career, including back-to-back -back national championships. That senior year, I'm sure there was a ton of pressure. Was that something you had to, you had to deal with, or were you able to block that out going into the season and kind of just put your head down and do work? Yeah, no, it was it was all it was always there. I mean, you're trying to do something great. There's gonna be there's gonna be some 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 difficulty. Um, 
in some some hard some hard moments. You know what I mean? But um, like I said, I think it was it was that continuous improvement I think I made by time um, by time I got to my senior my senior year, um, I was about as mentally tough and focused as as I ever been in my in my career. Um, I just learned to appreciate the challenges. I really had a firm, I drew a firm understanding of, of what my goals were when I competed and, and, and really stuck to the principles of, of really just scoring as many points as I can and going as hard as I can. And if I could do those things, then I was totally fine with, with my performance. So um, I wanted to make it a shootout. Like if I was going to lose a match, it was going to be a 3-2, 4-3 type match. But I knew if I if I went out there willing to wrestle till I literally couldn't move anymore and put be willing to put 16, 18, 20 points on the board, really willing to go that extra step that wherever it goes, it goes. And that's not a matchup that I lose very often. So for the first time this past year since you were at WVU, we saw a wrestler go undefeated with Noah yeah. Adams running through just about anybody that he came up against. Uh, were you able to kind of follow his follow along with his season, see him uh, reach similar heights that you did before? Not just the battle. I think everyone he went through undefeated, right? Undefeated going to the national tournament. It's not, that's not something that's easy to do. And of course I followed it. I remember um, hit Noah's freshman year. Uh, they did a dual meet down here at South Beach Duels. Um, and, uh, I stopped by that tournament, and before um, before I even saw a full a full match, I was like, "Man, that's they got something here. That kid's pretty good. That athletic can move like that at that weight class. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be really hard for a lot of people to beat." And you just tell he was just just kind of young. So um, you know, great job to the coaching staff um, of getting him to where he he was at this year. Um, you know, it's awesome seeing him uh, compete at that level. And I don't think we could underscore um, the importance of someone like Noah Adams, excuse me, being an, an in-state kid wrestling for that program. Um, I can't, I can't overstate how big that is for the, uh, for the program. And I look forward to watching him continue to grow. So after senior year, you're you know you're a three a former three time national uh, wrestling champion. Was MMA ever an, an avenue you were thinking about going into? Yeah, you know, it wasn't really, really, really wasn't really on the on the radar at that time. Um, you know, I think at that time, by the time I graduated, that might have been like Ultimate Fighter two or three. Um, the second or third season. So um, I think it was the UFC was still at the infancy phases compared to where it's at right now. It's still relatively young, but back then um, there was what, maybe three pay-per-view events, four, four pay-per-view events a year or something like that. Um, so I, I always saw it and respected it, but was never, uh, for one reason or another, it was just never a legitimate opportunity for me. I don't know. So right out of college, you don't get into MMA, but I want to talk about this a little bit. You tried out with the Pittsburgh Steelers. What, mm -hmm. what was that all about? Yeah, it was cool. My uh, my high school athletic director called me um, and asked me if I had interest in, any interest in, in trying out. And this was still during my senior season. So um, 
I ended up going over to the West Virginia Pro Day, and he ended up setting up a meeting with me and uh, Kevin Colbert with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and I, uh, we ended up scheduling, after the national tournament, we ended up scheduling, I went up to uh, St. Vincent where they do their spring training at. And I did like a kind of a private combine workout with them um, and actually got invited back um, to go to training camp. But uh, at that time, I worked out. I had a, a groin injury that I then had repaired. So I wasn't in a physical condition to be able to go to training camp, if, even, if I, even if I wanted to. So um, I just kind of started coaching and was working. And then in January, they called me to send me over uh, to NFL Europe and uh, for some developmental, developmental games. And, and I was in the middle of my season and things like that. But, uh, so I wasn't able to go. But um, they were serious enough where they put me – I was a draft-eligible athlete. Um, I was in the in the 2005 NFL draft. The representatives from West Virginia were myself, Pac-Man Jones, and Chris Henry. They were the draftable athletes from from West Virginia University. So after that uh, workout slash tryout with the Pittsburgh Steelers, you you get into a coaching career at WVU for wrestling. Uh, what were your thoughts on that experience, and how did it prepare you for MMA coaching? Yeah, you know, um, it was it was really a natural transition for me. Um, I already knew that I was I was pretty drawn towards wanting to become uh, a coach. Um, that opportunity presented to me. You can't always control the timing of things, right? Um, so that opportunity was was presented to me, and I and I I took hold of it, you know, and it, it allowed me. It forced me to grow in a lot of different ways outside of athletics that I I hadn't been forced to address up to that point. Um, I, I used to be like painfully, painfully shy, you know what I mean? So, um, just being thrust into that role, obviously I had to adjust my approach and how I dealt with and how I, how I've talked to people. Um, and then transitioning from there in my current role, um, has been great. You know, it, I use, I rely a lot of those, uh, experiences drawn upon that, uh, you know, working, for an institution that size, working, understand the structure and framework of how organizations are supposed to be uh, supposed to be structured, um, how decisions are supposed to be made, and how to form, a, grow, and build a, a healthy work culture. Um, all things that you know that I'm very appreciative. I still carry carry them with me today. So at WVU as an assistant, you were under Craig Turnbull, who was your head coach in college. He's a legend at WVU kind of a legend of the college not kind of a legend of the college wrestling community were what what were you able to take away from him I would say differently as a coach than as a player and what do you take away from him that you are still able to implement today yeah so much I mean we talk about uh coaching trees right um uh you know I'm very much a, a branch of his and uh much like I talked before that um, I guess you don't realize it, but there's um, there's a lot, a lot of things you you learn um, just by sitting in the same office as someone for ten years, right? There's I find myself to this day, it's like kid will ask me a question, and I will go, I will pull something out of my brain that maybe I hadn't used before, but uh, it came from sitting in an office with Craig Turnbull for ten years, so. Uh, you know, as as I get older and as I mature, I'm, I'm starting to recognize more and more that influence 
that he had on, on not just me as a coach, but me as a, uh, as a person as well. So after your WVU coaching career, you make the move to the Black Zillions, uh, a legendary fight camp. Um, what, what's the tough, and being an MMA coach, what's the toughest part for fighters learning how to wrestle in MMA? Um, you know, I spend a lot of time um, addressing broad wrestling concepts. I'm going to be honest, I don't, I don't really get down in the weeds that much with technique. Um, what I found the wrestling, the wrestling portion of MMA happens, happens so fast. It's, it's so much about being the first one to the right position. Um, that, you know, I, I really just designed certain workouts and certain drills to bring that out of them. Um, that I don't, I stop, I stop teaching guys or coaching guys how to wrestle that I kind of adjusted my approach a little bit that. I, I do a lot of teaching guys how to move like a wrestler, um, you know, getting to the right hips and head head position, getting the right body position, um, and getting to where you need to be as fast as you can. Um, and at least that's how I've learned to um, to take you know an adult who never wrestled before and be able to uh, get them to travel um, the most distance in the least amount of time. So um, you, wor you work with some pretty significant people in, in the MMA world. You know, you work with the likes of uh, Gilbert Burns, Kamara Usman, uh, Derek Brunson, and even Vitor Belfort. What's it like, what's the best part about working with these absolute legends in the MMA game? Uh, you know, learning goes both ways, right? I learn, I learn as much as them, from them on a daily basis that, that, that they do, um, do from me. Um, one of the things that uh, – that really from the very first workout, I noticed um, that, you know, oftentimes there's, uh, there's, there's reasons, uh, reasons why those guys are successful. You know, you take the names, um, the names you just mentioned, and I show something, they're the first, they're the first ones raising their hand, ask me to see again, ask me, um, <clears throat> ask me questions about the technique that they're always, they're on a, you know, constant search for knowledge and, and improvement. Um, you know, and it's, and it's, um, it's just a, it's just a good experience that, uh, yeah, I think we have a really, we're promoting a really good, really healthy atmosphere in our gym right now. Um, not just with guys that you just mentioned or guys of that caliber, but all the way down the line to, you know, even our developmental guys. To talk about Kamara Usman specifically, obviously he's a guy with a, a college wrestling background, mm -hmm. but in MMA, he's become so much more than that. And you, you mean, you hear criticism, his fights aren't exciting. I love to watch Kamara Usman fight because watching him fight, it's, it's like listening to Mozart or something. It's the true art of MMA in my eyes. What makes him so special from your perspective? Um, he's really smart. Um, I would say the two things that separate Kamaru and Kamaru is a great champion and can be a good champion for a long time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's the, the two biggest thing is, is one, he has an iron will. Um, he's very mentally tough. Um, he has a really good understanding of the positions that he has to get the fight to in order to um, give himself the advantage. Um, and like I said before, he's really smart. So 
um, you get a really strong real competitor that, that's able to compete very smart I think you got someone that's that's it's gonna be very hard to beat that's what we're seeing so uh, you know we're living in a crazy time right now with COVID what adjustments have you guys had to make in the gym uh, to like adhere to COVID and stuff like that yeah good question now we have a we we uh, recently formed with Stanford Health. It's uh, the largest rural healthcare provider in the United States of America. Um, so there's a lot of resources, a lot of protocols that they're able to transfer down to us. We, we implement. Obviously, we do all the temperature checks and things like that in order to get through. We had uh, maybe about six or seven weeks ago. We had one kind of bout of COVID. Um, we had a few guys go down, which probably means more guys got it too. We just they just didn't. It wasn't detected, but, um, you know, I give it to, um, to Dana White and the UFC, um, you know, just the amount of resources and the people, um, it takes for them to put on a UFC event now is, is, it's, it's amazing. So, um, I give it to them and, and shoulder that load up front, um, makes me a little bit more curious of how they're going to handle the college football season or NFL season. Um, you know, just with that scale of people. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch, but um, it's definitely different. It's going to be different for a while. We'll just deal with it. But uh, the big thing is, is these shows are going up at the bat and they're getting their people fights and they're getting people paid. So guys like me, uh, guys like me are, are thankful. So we saw Gilbert Burns break out in 2020, become one of the best fighters in the world. In who are some guys coming up now with Sanford MMA that people need to be on the watch at, on the on the watch for through the rest of 2020 and into 2021? Yeah, I think you take. Uh, we got a lot of fighters. We got uh, probably 40 something fighters. We got um, I don't know 12 or 14 in uh, in the UFC. Another eight, 10 or 12 in Bellator. Uh, so if you ask me. Um, the biggest thing for us right now is you have Michael Chandler just became a free agent, um, knocked out Benson Henderson his last fight, going into free agency. He just um, he's going to self give himself a knife. He earned himself a nice check from whatever. Uh, I don't have any inside knowledge of what promotion he may or may not go to, um, but he's put himself in the position to pretty much name his price. So that's going to be interesting to unfold. Um, I think if you look at the Bellator side, you got uh, guys like Adam Borch. Jason Jackson and Logan Storley, those, those three guys are really, really prime uh, for a major breakout. They're not, I mean, they're already competing at a high level, but I think um, over the next six, nine months, I think we'll see um, something really cool with them, um, all three of those guys. So I, I just want to ask you about, like, your uh, fellow coaches. What's it like working with, like, some a striking coach legend in Henry Hooft? Like, what's it like working with him? Yeah, I mean, even from a, um, from a personal aspect, I was very fortunate. My first, as soon as I jumped over to MMA, I ended up getting associated with Henry. Um, Henry is, a, is a, an amazing man. Um, he's an amazing leader, and he's one of the most authentic people you, you'll, you'll ever meet. Um, and I think that's what really contributes to a lot of the, um, the strength of our group. But even from a fighting and a technical standpoint, um, I think we, we see the sport the same way. Um, as far as like spacing and angles, when to attack, when to counterattack, um, we we both look for this, uh, similar cues, whether it be wrestling or striking, um, which I think allows for a lot of our techniques to kind of flow seamlessly. Well, 
that that kind of wraps it up for for what we were looking to talk about today. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for for being able to join us. It's it's been a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you for taking some time out. Nope, I appreciate it. We'll do it again anytime you guys want. Man, I look forward to it. All Absolutely, right. thank you. All right, uh, All right where, can the, where can the people find you on social media? Um, Instagram and Twitter, Coach G Jones. All right, Coach G Jones. Coach look me G. Out. Jones on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. Uh, that is Greg Jones, three-time national champion wrestler at West Virginia University, wrestling coach for Sanford MMA, one of the best in the business. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's go Mountaineers.